being heard here. Is that good? Can you hear me, folks? All right. Thank you, Scott. First of all, let me just say uh, I hope you folks realize how blessed you are to have this guy ministering to you on a regular basis. Thank him. You are blessed. I, I mean to tell you, you are blessed. And, uh, and I've already been blessed. He has given the message over there this morning, if you haven't heard it. Uh, huh, I'd make it. I may go listen to it twice. I don't know. But, uh, but thank you, Pastor Scott. And uh, you folks that help out these young folks, thanks for your team and so forth. But uh, let, me, uh, let me pray. We'll get rolling into some more of Mark, all right? Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And uh, as uh, uh, you have reminded us uh, in first service and remind us uh, day to day, moment by moment, Lord, uh, uh, we are grateful people. And uh, so, Lord, even as we study more of Mark in, in this uh, time of in Gethsemane, Lord, uh, it, uh, it warms our heart even as difficult and challenging as it was for you, for the disciples, Lord, uh, um, it made the way that we could even be here, praising your name. So, Lord, uh, lead us, uh, open our eyes, our hearts, uh, help us uh, to help each other as we work through Gethsemane. And uh, we'll give you the praise, uh, not only for taking us into Gethsemane, but beyond uh, to the cross. And uh, Lord, uh, we'll give you nothing but praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, um, as you noticed on your uh, um, chairs, you do have uh, some notes. And if you've got a pencil you like to take notes, uh, fill in blanks and so forth, uh, uh, you, you can probably guess. I did teach for 36 years. And uh, my last 23 at a place called Deer Creek Mackinac, and uh, also coached some basketball and some ADN. And but the thing I enjoyed most was was teaching. And I am going to be blessed to be back at Deer Creek Mackinac bright and early tomorrow morning with an FCA huddle, and uh, and then Tuesday at uh, at DMAC Junior High. But uh, but I get around and uh, was driving through Morton uh, High School and ran into. Uh, Mr. Andrew Crawl here the other day before school, and uh, but I uh, I enjoy seeing you out there. But let's uh, let's take a look here. Um, I uh, kind of moving around here a little bit. Here's uh, what we're going to look at today, and uh, we're going to navigate Gethsemane with uh, Jesus and the disciples, and uh, we're going to see Jesus in agony, Jesus abandoned, Jesus arrested, and. Most importantly, Jesus is obedient to his mission. And uh, uh, it was interesting first service to hear more about that mission and, uh, and just to keep that before us. Uh, but if you remember last two weeks ago that you guys went through Mark 14, 12 through 26, I was sitting back here. I got to hear about the uh, uh, celebration of the Passover in the upper room. Um, and... Uh, and teaching of the new and better sacrifice and Jesus inaugurating uh, the, the, the elements and so forth that we looked at even this morning over here again. And, uh, and we met a betrayer as well. And we're going to meet that here in just a second. But uh, so in kind of setting the stage, um, and you, uh, if you look at your notes, uh, I've got the verses on the left in the front and back. And uh, up top, if you're on the correct side, you should see Jesus foretells Peter's denial. And, uh, but uh, in further setting the stage, you're going to see, and you do see, that uh, we're looking at, uh, maybe, there we go, uh, a place called the Mount of Olives. Uh, you can see the upper right where they go. Uh, you see a red line there that takes us from uh, the traditional upper room. I've also seen it's maybe a little south of the temple. I'm not sure. Quite frankly, on my bucket list is to head over there. I was hoping to do that here in June. It didn't work out, as some of you know. I, I quite frankly, was looking forward to walking those, those steps. 
And uh, of course, we can't walk in those steps because we're not Jesus, but just walking where he walked would have been so cool. But uh, so you got the temple often called the Temple Mount, and then to the right, uh, to the east of that, you, you've got kind of a, what they call the Kidron Valley. And, uh, and then you've got the Mount of Olives at the bottom of that. You've got the Garden of Gethsemane. So you kind of got a picture where you're going to see these disciples leaving the traditional upper room after what we went through last week or two weeks ago. And then they head to the Mount of Olives. So, uh, and it's interesting to me anyway. And if you're looking at your notes, it says in verse 26, and they had sung a hymn, they think, at the end of... Uh, uh, of the celebration of the, uh, of the Passover. Uh, commonly, those were psalms. They think maybe Psalm 113 to 118. Read through some of those uh, earlier this morning and uh, in my own time. And uh, they're fascinating hymns um, of praise to God. And so they went out to the Mount of Olives. And if you read with me, it says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So let's work through that just a little bit, all right? Let me start with, this is an olive press, uh, similar to what you might have seen back in the day, but you can see a millstone that would have pressed olive oil out of olives. Olive oil was used for a lot of things, from cooking to eating to uh, fire to uh, used about a lot of things, and medicine and so forth. They used a lot of olive oil, and we're at the Mount of Olives. And, uh, but picture, if you would, it says Mount of Olives actually means, in a, in a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane actually means the ancient Hebrew and oil press. And before we go any further, you need to understand that Jesus is going to be pressed here. You know that. You've seen this story, haven't you? He's going to be pressed. And I think as I did some studying, I was just telling Justin, I don't know if I realized how much press, pressing was going to be done on Jesus here. We know he was pressed on the cross, don't we? We're going to talk about that in just a second. The disciples are going to be pressed. And it got me thinking, when was the last time Scott got pressed? When's the last time you got pressed? Did you ever get pressed? They tell me being a young student, there's some pressure out there. I don't know what I've seen there probably is. I was at Morton the other day, and the student leader was talking about, you know, these things called ACT tests, or junior, and ACT tests, where am I going, what am I going to do, and all the other things, let alone pressure that sometimes we have of, of following Jesus when it's not so easy to follow Jesus. And uh, quite frankly, I can't imagine... For young people, how hard that is. One thing, one reason I continue to do SCA and uh, want to help you navigate the pressures of following Jesus is one of the reasons. And for you to help each other with that pressure. We're going to see some of that here in a second, too, and talk about that. But anyway, here we are. If you want to fill in some blanks, that is Hebrew oil press. Jesus will be pressed. And uh, interesting enough, uh, I can sometimes feel like I was, I was kind of pressed in a hospital here in December for a couple of days. Wasn't a lot of fun. And uh, uh, quite frankly, thought a little bit, Pastor Scott, about uh, uh, to live as Christ as I have been. And uh, I uh, left that hospital. Probably someday I won't leave that hospital. Uh, and I'll be in the arms of the Lord. And, uh, and, and that'll be so cool. As cool as it is to be here with you folks today, it'll be much cooler to be with Jesus. And uh, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? But uh, so I had some high time pressure last weekend being in the state of Florida. It was rough. I say that sarcastically. It was about 85, 86. But one thing I did is I got to see ground zero. Pressure. I thought I had pressure. I had a little water in my basement this week. That road that I'm on. That's the only road that goes to Fort Myers Beach. 
only road that is there. And if you look closely, particularly the picture on the right, I, I can't imagine this pressure. But I, if I was driving on that road when Ian was hitting, I'd been under about 14 feet of water. That's why you can see things up in trees and so forth. And uh, I looked over to a little lagoon off to my left and a car was sitting there. Someone had said that uh, uh, their boat got damaged because they hit a car that was in a lagoon or a, a body of water of some kind. But uh, trying to imagine pressure and, and all that, I, I know you, you speak to it, I speak to it. We're going to see some great pressure here in a second. So let's take a look at it. We read 26 through 31. And... Uh, but let's look at verse uh, 27, and it says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will, go, will be scattered. So, if you're filling in blanks, we obviously have Jesus uh, said, You will fall away. And the word there really isn't mean like I'm falling off a cliff. It speaks to the fact that uh, it's kind of a passive lapse. I uh, like that you see Hebrews 2.1 up there. So you've heard me out at FCA talk a lot about the fact that most of the time when we're falling away, some from the Lord, it's not one of these. But it's, a, it's what Hebrews calls as a drift. How about you guys? Sometimes find yourself drift for whatever reason. Share me. Right? Some folks have that. I know that. But most people... And that's kind of the, 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 the scene here. As, uh, as theologian Edwards said, we don't plan on sinning, but neither do we hold the fort. We're not active enough in our faith. That's an interesting comment. But, uh, and then Jesus quotes Zechariah 13, 7. We'll get into that very much, but he, he talks about the shepherd will be struck. Who's the shepherd there? Who would that be? It is Jesus. And the sheep would be disciples. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. I, I started thinking about this. Who's saying these words? Jesus says, isn't he? Does he know this is going to happen? Does God know what's going to happen? Who's going to strike? You say maybe God the Father allowed him to be struck. He will be struck, won't he? And will the disciples be scattered? Hang on. We'll find out. All right. So, got me thinking also a little bit uh, of Mark 6.34, which I'm guessing as you're going through Mark, you have studied. It talks about, Jesus says they are a sheep without a shepherd, and he had, what's that C word, folks? Compassion. Do you know any sheep without a shepherd? And it got me thinking a little bit about my attitude. Now they deserve it. That's what they deserve. Or am I weeping with those that are weak? You know, you messed up, you deserve it. But without a shepherd. Kind of gets me thinking even more about tomorrow morning. the kind of compassion Jesus had and uh, just challenged me to consider those things. And then it says in verse 28, what's it say in verse 28, but after I am raised up, what's that mean? Raised up would be, what's the word, folks? Go ahead. Someone say the resurrection, you write it down. It's going to be raised up. Did the disciples know that? They got told several times, didn't they? Here's just one, Mark 8, 31, uh, that you guys probably looked at. I mean, they were told. I don't think necessarily understood. As uh, R.C. Spohl would say, if they understood, they probably wouldn't have gone through as much misery and anxiety as they went through. They didn't quite understand that. Man, it got me thinking a little bit. What about us? Do we understand the significance of the resurrection? He's going to be struck, but he's going to raise. He's going to be raised. What's the resurrection do for us? What's it do for us? That'll change everything. Many times we'll get used to coming up with another one here. 
Winter break, guys. Another month. Easter break, guys. But we'll think a lot about the cross. I don't know if we necessarily think enough about the resurrection. It gives us hope. I'm going to be resurrected. Resurrected. It is the game, as Pastor Scott would teach here in a few minutes. And all that goes with it. But most of it, I get to see Jesus. Not that I don't enjoy seeing some of you Cub fans here, but I get to see Jesus. I live in a place with no sin. And I can go on and on, can't I? It is going to be so cool. But to live as Christ is, we talk about it. Let's see what else we have to say here. Ah, all right. Let's look at verse 29 and 30 a little bit. Look at Peter. Peter said to him, even though they'll fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you would deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. They all said the same. Oh, Peter, huh? The rock, right? I built my church on the rock. He's not going to fall away. He surely wouldn't do that. By the way, the tomb is empty. Peter essentially says, no, I got this. Jesus, I got this. What do you think? Is this self-reliance or God-dependence? He doesn't tell us all his heart, but sounds like some self-reliance there. And maybe we'll see that played out. How about you? How about me? I got this. I got this. Sometimes Jesus needs right. Sometimes he does remind me, Scott, you don't have this. Right? Yeah. And Jesus says, You will deny me how many times? Three. Three. And did he? Come back next week, right? Justin? Yeah. And yeah, you knew that anyway, didn't you? Have you ever denied Jesus? Besides me, anybody else in this room? What about the rest of Peter's story? I'm going to share a little bit more. Hopefully we get a little bit of time here in just a second. But, uh, you'll hear more about that as Mark continues. Yeah. This wasn't the end of Peter's story, was it? But right here, Peter's got this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, uh, not only does Peter have this, but I don't know if I had not seen this before I did this study. I didn't realize all the disciples, hey, we're with that guy. Peter can do this, I can do this. Peter must have been a pretty good leader. Hey, let's go jump in the pond. Will you follow me? We're following you, Peter. You got this, I got this. Well, they all fell away is what Jesus says will happen. Let's take a look here in just a second, all right? Anyway, let's go down to verses 32 and read... Jesus prays in Gethsemane. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. He began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon. Hang on to that word, Simon. Is that his first name or last name? That was his first name. He's no longer Simon, is he? But why does he call him Simon here? It's interesting to me. Could you watch not one hour? Watch and pray that you may, enter, may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them in sleeping, for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And then he came, if you flip it over, it says, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And he says, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We met that betrayer last week, didn't we? We heard about a betrayer. So let's 
look at these a little closer, okay? He went to a place called Gethsemane and went, said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. You know that's his inner circle, right? That's his inner circle, right? And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. So let's look at these a little bit. Jesus, and it's interesting, we didn't talk much about this, but uh, I'm sure that if you have not, I'm sure you probably had some, some, some studies already, and you will. Jesus is perf- perfectly and fully man and fully God. Figure that out. Let me know. Let Pastor Scott know. That one's a hard one. And we could dissect that and talk about it for a long, long time. But as one commentator said, there's probably nowhere else in the body, in, in the Bible, where we see Jesus as more human as well as no place where we see him more God. It is a picture of Jesus here. And, uh, but he's perfectly human. Jesus wanted, you want to write the word down there, companionship? How about when you get pressed? Help my inner circle in particular. Talk a lot about having God buddies. You got some God buddies? Guys, you're going to be there for you. Guys, you, gals, you could invite there with you. You got to have some God buddies. We all do. We all do. We're all going to be pressed. We're all going to be pressed in different ways. It says here, by the way, I love to go to cross country meets. I wonder why they get together before the meet. They do, don't they? They do. You know you're going to go be pressed for three miles, don't you guys? But I love it. It happens all over. I go to a lot of different athletic events. I I don't see praying going on in a lot of athletic events. Across country, I see a lot of praying. Not only going for three miles, but you're going to be out there by yourself for the most part. That's interesting to me. Let's go back here. He became, what are the words it says here, folks? Distressed and troubled and very sorrowful. Let's look at that a little bit. Why is that going on with Jesus right now? Why is that going on with Jesus right now? I mean, people have died. Many people have died on the cross. In the entire Bible, some would say this is the greatest lament, greatest sorrow described in the Bible. Jesus knows what's going on and so forth. Let me ask you this. Why did Jesus die on the cross? That's a pretty simple answer. For my Also died for your sin. Also died for your sin. Your sin. Your sin. Your Dying for my sin, maybe. I like the idea of dying for your sin. Maybe I would. I don't know. Who says Jesus died for? The sins of many, right? What it says. Even the disciples. That would load up a human, wouldn't it? Even if he was holy God. I think I can understand that. I, uh, Edwards, which I quote, James Edwards, he's quoted as this. It is one thing, fearful as it will be, to answer for your own sins before a holy and mighty God. You can imagine what it would be like to stand before God to answer for Every sin and crime and act of malice and injury and cowardice and evil in the entire world. From the beginning to the end. And acquiescing to the Father's will of bearing, quote, the sin of many, sin of many, interceding for transgressors, Isaiah 53, 12, 
Jesus necessarily experienced an abandonment and darkness of cosmic proportions. I can't imagine that. The worst prospect, prospect of becoming a sin bearer for humanity is that it spells complete. You want to fill in the blank at the bottom? This is Edwards, complete alienation. See and hear some of that here. Notice what's going to happen. The Father and the Son are one. I don't know if we really truly understand how tight they well, are. We can't understand how tight they are. God in three persons. But it's going to be ripped apart because of our sin. For moments. And he knows it. He knows it. I, uh, Maybe I would just go here. Jesus Christ's mission to give his life as a ransom. If you're going to see that here in a few minutes, if you haven't seen it. It is mentioned by Edwards that maybe a third of that ransom is being paid in the garden. Interesting thought. In the agony of the garden. Maybe the agony of this time for Jesus was not so much physical, although that, someone once said, you know what that's like, go hang on a tree for 15 seconds. Not a whole afternoon. Can you imagine that agony? But the agony he's going through here and knowing. No wonder he prays, huh? Let's read. And going a little further, verse 35, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. No wonder he asked that the hour might pass. And the, what are you filling with the sea, folks? Cup. So I got to ask, let's talk about the cup. That cup. What is this cup? Would you fill in the blanks? It's a metaphor for the. What is it? Wrath. The wrath of God. His holy anger against sin. His holy anger. Does God hate sin? If I got the word that she was assaulted and the person that assaulted her was taken to court and pronounced guilty and the judge says, you're guilty, but you go. I would have the same look you had. That's not right. That's not a good judge. But we got a good and righteous judge. He does not let sin. There's a way for sin in it. It's called it is. And death must be paid. Because there is a way. Because we have a righteous God. We have a righteous God. And so what's he do? Is our sin paid for? The wrath of God. That's the cup. And you don't have to drink it. If Jesus doesn't take this cup, who does? We don't have to. And Jesus drinks it. Now, if we don't trust in Christ as our Savior, you know who's going to drink that cup? Who's going to drink it? The sin is not covered by the blood of Jesus. It's going to be covered by someone's blood. That's a righteous God. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Check out, and I, I've got the question: Are you in Him? Second Corinthians five twenty one talks about what I sometimes call the great exchange. 
For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That would be Jesus, wouldn't it? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He gets our sin. We get his righteousness. Is that a great exchange of what? If we are in him, so that in him, and folks, if there's someone here that's not in him, that have not put their faith in him, what happened here at the cross, please talk to Pastor Scott or one of your leaders. Talk to somebody, please, 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 please. If you have questions about what that's all about and so forth, please do that. But, uh, all right. A couple questions came up in my mind. These are somewhat rhetorical. But when's the last time we thank Jesus for taking our wrath? When's the last time I thank Jesus for taking my wrath? Hey, thanks for another cardinal win. Thanks that... I've got a home and people in Florida may not. Thanks for a couple of us. Hey, you shouldn't say each other. Okay. But why do I thank him for what we've just been talking about? You know what that's called? What's that called? The W word. When I'm thanking God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God which we talked a little bit about and we'll talk more about later in weeks, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual is worship. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Worship. In fact, our whole self is about worship. Do we see sin as God does? Got me thinking about this. Does it cause us, when we do, does it cause us godly sorrow? Lord, forgive me. I sinned against a holy God. And that put your son Jesus in the situation he's in right now. And does that cause me to, does that bring me to repentance where I turn from my sin? Just some thoughts. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Man, what's, what does the cross do for me today? Now, I know what it did 30 years ago. It was 30 years ago in March that I got saved. What's it do for me today? It caused me to look up there. Because you're not always so easy. But not my will. Now, let's talk about that. What's the next verses there, folks? What's the next verses? And yet, not what I will but what you will. You want to fill in the blank? What's the old word there, folks? It is called obedience. I've got to love Cub fans. I've got to love folks that are hard to love. Remembering that sometimes I'm very hard to love too. Christ still wins the cross for me. Edward says his will to obey the Father is stronger than his desire to serve himself. How about Scott? What's my will like? When I say the Lord's Prayer, do I say thy will be done or Scott's will be done? Man. For me, it's going well. But when my house gets ran over by a hurricane, that'll did you know what was happening down there, guy? He knows. He, he knows. He knows. Jesus knows that. He's still going to the cross. He's still going to the cross. Watch and pray. Let's read 37 to 41 here, folks. 37 to 41 looks like this. And he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you not asleep? Are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping. 
for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And he tells them, Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So, how many times did he say watch and pray? Well, he talked about praying three times. And how many times did they fail? Three. Abandonment has started. Abandonment has started. It's not complete yet. It's not complete yet. Our self-reliant flesh is, what's the W word we just read, folks? It is weak. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Did they have it then? They will. And they're going to see the resurrection in life. And those disciples are going to go crazy, folks. Crazy enough that the church starts. They share the gospel. We 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 share the gospel with me. Life or death. How many of those disciples died for the gospel? All but one. And that was John. So it's going to get crazy, isn't it? Oh, we, need this, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Talk more, I'm sure you're talking more about that than well. Note, Jesus went away and prayed three times, but each time, what did he do in obedience? He surrendered in obedience. Take it away, please, Lord. I don't think it was repetitive prayers. Some folks have suggested it probably wasn't. But we're seeing agony here. We're seeing agony. Help me, Lord. Help me. Is it okay if you cry out to God in agony? Yeah. Jesus can. You can. You can. Yeah. Doesn't stay there. You don't want to stay there. That's another topic, too. 42, 43, so let us be going. It's time for a betrayal and a rest. And Judas brings with him a crowd. That's interesting to me. Why crowd? Not sure. They think Jesus might run. They didn't know Jesus very well. He's not running from this. They thought there might be a fight. Talk a little bit about that here in a second. Might have thought, hey, Jesus is going to do some of that hocus magic on him. I, I don't know, but they thought they needed a crowd. Probably some Roman soldiers and the uh, uh, temple guards. But they brought a crowd. And uh, that's interesting to me. I, I don't necessarily have the answer for that, but uh, I have read and thought about some suggested answers. All right? But uh, so let's look at 43, uh, 44, 43 to, and then 46. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, the betrayer, came one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, the chief priests and the scribes and elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away from, uh, lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. So just a couple thoughts. Judas betrayed with a kiss. Rabbi, folks. It's a title of honor. Want to write that down? This is pretty wild, isn't it? I'm betraying you with a kiss, and I call you rabbi. And indication, this was, from the language, this was not just a peck on the cheek, but a, a kiss indicating uh, probably the best word, appreciation. I wrote one down here, affection. Reminded me of Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Hard stuff. How hard was that for Jesus? Sorry, folks, got a little bit of that uh, phase four back issue. I think I hope that the enables you here. Anyway, ever been betrayed? Betrayal is hard. I've ever been betrayed with a kiss. An assistant coach years and years and years ago. I didn't realize till it was all over. And uh, and uh, his brother was hired on a school board. Uh, and uh, 
didn't realize he wanted my job. It was all over. And, uh, but uh, it's hard. It's hard. Then check out verse 47. But one of those who drew, stood by drew a sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Who was that person, by the way? It was Peter, wasn't it? And we know that from here, John's account. Simon Peter, having his sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that Father has given? Who's in control here? Jesus is running the show, isn't he? He's still running the show, and he's the one that's going to be hammered and getting hammered here. About Luke 22, 51. But Jesus said no more of this, and he touched his ear and healed him. You picture that scene for a little bit. Has me answer asking four questions. I don't know if these are appropriate questions, but was Peter brave or foolish? As one commentator said, he trying to fix a physical or doing a physical doing some physical damage with a physical instrument which he which is taking trying to take care of a spiritual battle with a physical instrument and uh, and there's verses that we could look at with that but no does Peter have this Jesus got this what happens if Jesus got what happens if Jesus doesn't heal Malchus and Jesus put that ear back on I don't know one commentator said, could have been a fourth cross. I don't know. I haven't thought about that before. And that fourth cross being Peter's. But that ear went back on. So who is in control? Jesus is in control. He knows his mission. He's obedient to his mission. Yeah. And I've also wondered this. Is Malchus in heaven right now? I have no idea. They don't. Malchus mentioned any more, Scott? I don't think he is. They put my ear back on. I got to think, what is going on here? I've wondered about Malchus. I not. I don't lose sleep over it, but it's got me thinking. Who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? Yeah. And I'm arresting him and taking him to his death. I don't know. That's that's kind of. I've wondered about that a little bit. So, and Jesus said to them, in verse 48, Have you come out, against, out as against a robber with swords and clubs to catch me day after day as with you? In the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scripture be fulfilled. Jesus knows the scriptures. He knows they're going to be filled, and I'm going to fulfill them. And they all left and fled. So, Jesus going peacefully, he knew it was his father's will. Obedience again. And they all left him and fled, abandoned. Jesus left all alone. But was he? You ever felt all alone? Are you abandoned? I got to share these words with Jesus. Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, and when you will be when you will be scattered, talking about his disciples, each to his own home and will leave me and you and will leave me alone. Yet, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's with you as well. He will never leave you nor forsake you. When you are being pressured. When you feel the heat, take that one to the bank, folks. Take it to DMAC High School, Roanoke Benson High School, Eureka High School, wherever, home school. You take it with you anywhere you want to go, because he's going with you everywhere you want to go in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit. Ah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. How about the young man? We don't know who he is. The first recorded history of streaking. That's what Pastor Scott said. And I don't know, I've, you know, some people think it might have been John Mark. Uh, you can look at some of the theory there. I think uh, uh, 
uh, one commentator would say this, that uh, uh, maybe because he's unnamed, the uh, simple reason is that uh, uh, he represents uh, um, all who have a tendency to flee, flee when pressured. Invites me to think about what would I do with or without clothes on. But he was in a hurry. He was in a hurry, no doubt about it. My question, let's go back to Peter. Let's go back to Peter. What happened to Peter? Can I leave you with uh, some music? I got time to play a quick song, Pastor Scott. All right, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Probably should have embedded that, shouldn't I? Oh, I think you enjoy this little song. As was shared with me several years ago, what happened to Peter? See if I can pull this up for you. I was the first to sign. So I guess I am the best. You see, I had more time to be with him. So much more I even tried to walk on water But then I started down Oh, until he said Oh, you of little faith Why did Just denied my closest friend And now he's crucified Yeah, my name is Simon Peter And I'm gonna shout it to the sky And I'll regret the words I said Until the day I die Along so gently with great peace in his eyes. When he asked me to follow him, my heart did not deny. His words filled my life with joy. I know he's the Son of Man. Oh, but when it came time to stand up and fight. excitement about the tomb being empty. That's why we're here in Nashville tonight in this building. is because the tomb is empty. And could it be the king still lives? Oh, I'm sure about this time Peter freaked out and he said to himself, 
Is it possible that he's come back and rose from the dead? I'll arise on the third day. I remember what he said. Yeah, my name is Simon Peter. A name I'll never hide. And I'll never deny my king again As he sits in grace on high Yeah, my name is Simon Peter And I'm gonna shout it to the sky And I'll preach the word of the living God Until the day I die Awesome, Eddie. Our God's awesome. Our God's awesome. Yeah. Well, let me pray for us and get you out of here, okay? Lord, we've all denied you. Sometimes we still do. It's just Peter dead. Remind us of who you are at those times. And, uh, remind us of your resurrection. That you still live. And uh, you live on high. And you leave us here until uh, we get that game, but you leave us here now. Not to deny, but to proclaim your goodness to a world that needs to know who you are. We'll enter that world here in just a few minutes, and then the rest of this week. Oh, Lord, people need to know you, who, who you are, how good you are, what you did for them, how you took the sin of the world. And uh, so we sit here. And we say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let our lives be a spiritual act of worship because of you. And we'll give you the praise. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thanks, folks. Thank <laughs> you.